So, with addiction in particular, first, just let me just say this. Uh, we do mean, yes, drugs, alcohol, but addiction is a lot more than just drugs and alcohol, okay? And there are some nuances there when it comes to different aspects, but when the Bible speaks about addiction over and over again, there's really three categories that it's going to talk about. It's going to talk about food. It's going to talk about drunkenness, which that's where we, you can put the other categories of drugs, alcohol, that type of thing. But then also sex or pornography, this type of thing. It's under kind of sexual immorality heading. Those are the three areas that many times addictions are mentioned. I think we could all agree that there are addictions to other things that we have out there. Um, but before we get specifically into addiction itself, we really want to cover just counseling, biblical counseling, and how this, these things are attached. So on your handout, first question, what is counseling? That's for you guys to give us, just in general, what is counseling? Teaching. Teaching, good. Understanding. Understanding, good. Listening. Listening, good. Go to the person who actually needs it. Going out. Going out? Reaching out. Okay, reaching out to people, good. What else with counseling? What comes to mind when you hear counseling? Advice. What's that? Advice. Advice, okay, advice. Yeah, Pointing people to truth. Pointing people to truth. Okay. Good. Anything else come to mind when you just hear counseling? It's evaluation. And then that word advice, very simplistic form, is, is accurate. Yeah. You, you, but you've got you to ask questions. You have to find out. Right. Before you can give advice. Okay. Got to listen. Got to gather information before you can point them in a certain direction or give advice. Good. What else with counseling? Helping people, Helping people heal. Yeah, that, yeah. You're not generally trying to counsel people who are healthy, and that you know, in that sense, trying to help them heal from something. Good. That's consistent. Another way of asking it is, what is the aim of counseling? So if that helps you, you know, think of it another way. What's the Jesus aim? Even worded it like that, right? Jesus said he came to help the sick, not the right. Yeah, he certainly says he comes to, to help the sick. It's, it's not the not the healthy who need a doctor, but right. the sick. Now, ultimately, he's kind of pointing out there that everybody's actually sick. <laughs> Whether they realize it or not, they are, right? He's the ultimate counselor. Yeah, right, right. And really, the, the spirit is the, the counselor as well. We know that he's referred to as that. With addiction, it's all sickness. Yeah, it's okay. A sickness. It's a sickness. A sickness. So, yeah. yeah, okay. You have to understand, the person who is struggling with addiction has to understand their condition. Right, you need to understand the situation, good. Okay. <laughs> Anything more on counseling first? Because now here's what I'm going to say with this. Why don't you explain to me Christian counseling? Are you something first, Greg? Let me just ask one more question. Yeah. So we throw this word around sickness. Um, and I know what that means when I get a cold. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what we're talking about. Okay? Yeah. So why aren't we calling it something it is? Yeah. Well, let's, well, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's get there. Yeah. Let's get there. Idolatry is an example. Yeah. Let's say idolatry. Something they don't want to give up. Yeah. You're describing idolatry, but in trying to get to the big category. Right. Pornography, addiction to pornography. Right. Addiction to eating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
addiction to alcohol, addiction to other drugs, right. um, lusting. What are those things? Sins. They're sins. Yeah. That's the sickness. Right. But what we're gonna what we're gonna get to as we talk through is we want to see how the Bible describes those things versus how the culture describes these things. Okay, so that's where we're going to try to get to, keeping that word in mind as well. That sin's going to come into this conversation, um, which can seem at times that you're very unloving. If there's somebody that needs help and you're bringing up sin, that seems like you're not being very loving in that moment. But we're going to get to why it actually is and what, why, how it's connected to Scripture. I don't want to jump ahead or yeah. like get us out of step here, but it was interesting to me that we all, we all kind of tapped in around the word S-I-N. It isn't an accident that you do that. Right. It is the secular world's right. way of looking at things. Right. So just remember that for over half of the secular world, there is no such thing as sin. Right. There's no category for sin. Right. So you've got to give it a different name and a nicer name, a name that doesn't point to you. Right. Me. And so that's one of the things you don't do here. Right. Yeah. All right. How would you define Christian counseling? When you hear Christian counseling, how does that change or alter your definition of counseling? Biblical teaching, okay. Reaching out to God. Okay, reaching out to God. Christian counseling. If you're receiving counseling from a, from a believer, I mean, you want, hopefully you're, you're looking to get advice from somebody who's seeing it from a spiritual point of view, okay. from a physical point of view. Okay, so there's a spiritual element to it, maybe they're a believer, so thus it's There's a spiritual Christian. element to addiction, so there has to be a spiritual right. element to the cure. Okay. What else, Mr. Dunn? I think it's more like a, uh, a mixture of clinical psychology with biblical advice. Okay, so a, a little bit of a blending yeah. there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Justin? Okay, so maybe a solution so, to a biblical worldview. Well, through it, like you're not going to solve it yourself. Like at, at, at the in the underlying uh, foundation of shepherding the person through it and helping that person, having uh, pretty much leading them with the understanding that they will not overcome that. Mm-hmm. That they can only they won't overcome. Christian side for you when you're when you're Christian counseling is the, the teaching the person the person coming to the realization they're not going to overcome it it's going to take God to for them to overcome it Christ to overcome it possibly is what comes to mind. A lot of times biblical counseling continues to to stroke you rather than to address the sin you're struggling. Right. What else? You look it up in the phone book. Christian well, phone book. Online. <laughs> Show my age there a little bit. Oh, you know, Christian counselor, right? You know, if you're looking for counseling, you go, ah, I want a Christian counselor. Why are you saying that? Why don't you want a, you know, why don't you want a regular counselor? You're looking for a Christian counselor. So you want change. Okay, you want change. Okay, well, yeah. 
But you're convinced, obviously, that there needs to be a spiritual component, probably. And maybe by the time you're looking for a Christian counselor, you've already seen a secular counselor. Yeah, maybe you tried the secular, and you're like, ah, this didn't work, so I'm going to try the Christian counselor now, right? Could be. Don't you think the counselor should be versed if he was Christian in both sides of it, so he could see that would be better than anybody? Both kind of both. Keep them both in mind. As far as, like, the, the world side so and the religion is biblical, you got to, because it's going to, professionally, we have to go to people. Mm-hmm. And that's what it does. So you got, you got to keep right. that in mind as a person. You still got to be on that other page. Right. To put it all together. Right. Kind of like, okay, well, I'm gonna, uh, how many of you might look for a Christian mechanic? Right? <laughs> well, just if they're a Christian, that's not going to help you. You might be thinking that, right? Well, if you don't know how to fix a car, that ain't going to help me, right? I want a Christian who is a mechanic. So the question is, and that's what we're going to try to dive into even a little bit tonight as we move forward, is, is the idea of biblical counseling, should we put that in the same category as a Christian mechanic? Are we looking for the same thing? Or is there something different? Should be we looking for something different? And that's what I kind of want to address. So first thing, there's, or next thing, so there's counseling, then we know that there's Christian, Christian counseling, and then there's kind of another category that's out there. Um, and depending on what people mean by these various things, I may say Christian counseling, and I may mean one thing, and you might mean something different, right? Even when you say counseling, somebody might mean something different. And then we have on here biblical counseling, or this really interesting word, neuthetic counseling. Neuthetic. So on here we have a basic definition real quick for you. So neuthetic counseling. We've got a little Greek word there meaning to admonish. What does admonish mean? When you hear that word admonish, what does that mean? Dress down and reprimand. Dress down and reprimand? Okay. Or reprimand. Or reprimand. Warn. Correct. Correct. Warn. Warn. Good. A lot of correction, warning. Okay. So, somebody read after that part there what we have as a definition here of this Neuthetic counseling. Somebody read that for us on the sheet. It's a form of evangelical Protestant pastoral counseling based solely upon the Bible and focused on Christ. It repudiates mainstream psychological and psychiatry as humanistic, fundamentally opposed to Christianity and radically, 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 Sorry. It's okay. Secular. All right, stop there. There's a, that's a lot of mouthful going on right there, right? Sorry, guys. So, neuthetic counseling, coming from this Greek word to admonish, is a form, evangelical, Protestant, pastoral, I debate with that a little bit, but this is just a, a definition from online, based, but this is what's important, solely upon the Bible and focused on Christ. Okay? Solely upon the Bible and focused on Christ. It repudiates mainstream psychology, mainstream meaning the world's focused ideas there, and psychiatry as humanistic. What does humanistic mean? Nothing, yeah, really, nothing new with Christ or spiritual things. It's actually bigger than that, in that their worldview does not include a God. Right, good. So the worldview, think about this for a second. The way we're saying that they see the world is no God. Okay? Which 
It's focused on the, the, the human. The person is the center of everything. Okay? Go ahead. Go ahead and look at Robert. Go ahead. And the way that human being got there has to be explained by them, and they explain it in terms of evolution. Right, right. So their whole worldview now, every bit of it, right. is shaped based on the idea that man evolved. Right. And if I want to change him, he's like a rat, and I can, you know, experiment with him. I can do this, I can do that. And get him and to change. change him. Right. It's called behaviorism. Right. Good. And it's important to note that these words, like psych, if, um, if you're looking at what they mean, mm -hmm. they're basically, like, psychology basically means when you break the word down, it's the study of the spirit of the soul and the mind, depending on the translation. Mm -hmm. So it's a supposition or a replacement since they don't believe in that. They're studying what they believe to be what they define as the soul and the spirit. What they're defining as that. Well, they're yeah. The original seemed like young and Freud and all were beginning to dream and young and they get onto a spiritual supernatural, but they still not God. Right. But it was a, almost a cult. Yeah. So what this is saying is those who are who would fall into this biblical or nuthetic counseling, what those people would say is we're going to reject psychology, psychiatry, because those things are humanistic in their approach. And they're fundamentally on the root level opposed to Christianity. So what they're going to say is you can't use that because if you use that, it's against the Bible. So you're just, you're just, it's just contradiction. Okay. Now that's different within the Christian counseling, generally speaking. The Christian counseling, going what Mr. Doug was saying, is going to try to try to blend those things. Okay, We're going to try to blend those a lot more than what this group is going to do. Okay, this group is going to say the answer is in the scriptures. Okay, so they're saying it's radically secular, meaning worldly, basically. Just, just one little category. Yep, go ahead. <clears throat> I think I did. Right. And one of the things that the psychiatrist can do that the psychologist can't do is he can prescribe drugs. Right. Okay. So just it ought to be clear to us that euthetic counseling does is not opposed to that. Right. It is leery of it. Right. It becomes a substitute for something else. Right. But it is not so for instance, if I were counseling someone the psychiatrist had put on a drug. Okay. I would never say to that person, stop taking it. That, that is right, right. something you do. Right. Um, however, the goal might be to look through to a point where you no longer needed that. Right. But we certainly recognize that there's a role for Luke right. as a doctor as well as right. possibly when you're Right. So it's, it's not... It's not disregarding God's common grace to humanity where things are here to help us. But it, what it is saying is on the fundamental level, Scripture is what we need to change. People need to change. Down here a little further in the... Um, talks about Jay Adams, which we don't need to get into him, but he's uh, 
one of the forerunners in this. He passed away. We're going to watch a real quick video by him about three minutes long. Go ahead, Mr. Doug. Um, I'm starting, my mind's going off in different directions now on this. Uh, so, but we're talking about, I guess for this class, we're right. talking about addiction, not as, as uh, Nuthetic applies to addiction, not necessarily how it applies to uh, homicidal maniacs. And Correct, not yet. So what we're trying to say is where, where, where's the, the frame, the, the base work of, of, of your view as you move forward. Then you can say, okay, well, how does this speak to addiction? How would this speak to a homicidal maniac? What's going on there? And it's not going to say that, that those things don't exist. It's just going to have possibly different answers for why those things exist. And so thus the treatments could look different, although at times they may need to be there. So this is just more framework than it is answering those specific questions of the outworking. I had a name pop into my mind just after we got started here for just a little while there. And back in the 70s and 80s, James Dobson. Okay. I don't know how familiar you are with him, but mm -hmm. I have always held him in the highest regard. And at that time, he would have been a Christian psychologist, probably right. a Christian psychiatrist, I think. Right. Uh, but, but this was just, apparently, this was just coming into being here, New Bedford Council. Yeah, as far as, I mean... He goes pretty far back. Yeah. Oh, okay. It goes back further. Yeah. But I think as far as it becoming well, more mainstream or mainstream. written about in more detail, I think Jay Adams would have been doing that around that time, 60s, 70s. Josh? The Puritans in the 17, 1800s, they would, the, it, they had hundreds, if not thousands, of books on dealing with. Uh, the conditions of man and if you read it it looks a lot like what what uh, was put out in synthetic counseling so so this stuff it, it's it goes farther than, than the well study. and I'm gonna actually argue that it goes all the way back to the Bible <laughs> yeah. is what we're gonna get to but we're gonna I'm gonna try to unpack that as we go throughout this evening and then because if you don't, because here's the thing, if you don't agree with that, then here's what you're going to do. You're going to look somewhere else for your answers than the Bible. That's the, see, that it, where you start, if you start off, right, anytime, if you're taking a measurement of something, you're building something. If you start in the wrong spot, I promise you, you're going to end up in the wrong spot. And so that's what we're trying to address because ultimately what we're going to get to in this study tonight is counseling itself is actually going to go under the category of discipleship. Now, how? We'll, we'll get to that, but yeah, go ahead. Two, two things that you thought of. One, I looked it up here quickly. Uh, he wrote a book, Jay Adams wrote a book called Competent to Counsel, right. which is like, it's like a systematic theology for theology. It's, right. it's whenever you're, you encounter a problem, you go to that book and see what you have to say. I would believe it. Yeah. Um, that's one thing. The second thing is, with, with regard to, say, a serial killer or something that's really bizarre, right. the guys who meet other people. Right, right. Um, you have to remember that primarily those who deal with those people, not all of them, but to a large extent, and, and certainly are a larger proportion of our secular world, they do not believe in the devil in the sense that he has any active role. Sure. Anymore. Yeah. 
Jesus was casting out demons because they only existed back here in the New Testament. <laughs> right, right, right. Right, right, right. And, and the fact of the matter is, if a sin habit is not addressed, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, it will bloom. Mm-hmm. And when it blooms, it's a hell of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not using that word to swear. Right. So the in the latter part of the definition, you know, that's here. Notice that it says, um, the, I think it's the last sentence there. The Baker Encyclopedia of Psychology and Counseling states that the aim of nuthetic counseling, this is the last line there, is to affect change in the counseling by encouraging greater conformity to the principles of Scripture. Now that's still ultimately God that has to do that. But the, the main takeaway, what you really need to hear, is the scriptures are going to be the authority, and that's what you're using ultimately. It doesn't mean that there aren't common graces out there, which we'll get to. But unfortunately, many times we start with the, maybe the secular side instead of going to the scriptures. Let me show you this. This is three minutes long, but it's this guy, Jay Adams, that we're talking about. He just passed away, but, and it's a couple kind of little tribute to him, but it's a, some quotes and things. By him, let me see if I can. It's a good explanation. Is a theological enterprise. Now, by that, I don't mean it ought to be. Or it would be nice if it were. Changing human beings is theological work. The question is not whether. You ought to become a theologian. The question is, what kind of theologian are you? I ask you, is there any need for emphasizing the necessity to learn how to interpret the Bible so that you can counsel from God's word, not just in some superficial fashion, but with the real meaning of each passage? The Bible teaches that all things necessary for life and godliness are found in that book, and that by theological reflection and the working out of the implications of those theological truths into actual life and ministry, that men can be transformed in such a way that through the Bible alone, they can learn to love God with all their heart, mind, body, and soul, and strength, and they can learn to love their neighbors as themselves, and do it all without Freud. Theology. theology is learning God's thoughts in life. 
so that we can think his thoughts after him and walk as disciples of Jesus Christ following him. And what are counselors doing with helping guide people in their lives so that they live the way Jesus Christ wants them to live? This is the greatest blessed kind of thing that you could ever do, studying the word to preach, studying the word to counsel. There's anything more wonderful than that. scripture is enough. Okay? So, on your handouts, look on here real quick with me. I just have some Bible verses I want to go through. So guys, I'm, I'm, I'm serious about this. I really mean this. Whether you buy into this or not dictates how you see the world, how you see the scriptures, how you see that people can actually change, how you see people can grow. Whether you believe this or not, this will influence the way you act, what you believe, what counsel you give to people, and what counsel you're willing to receive. You don't believe this and somebody comes to you with scripture trying to help you, guess what? You're not going to believe it. You're going to say, no, I need whatever it is, whether that's secular counseling, whether I need, I need to watch a show, I need to take something, I need these other things. Because where, where you are on this makes all the difference with what help you're willing to receive and how you're going to give help. Over and over again, I have people that will meet with me. And I'm trying to say, the Bible has the answer for you. Whether or not they agree with that, I can't control that. Just like he's saying, we can't change anybody. The Word of God by the Spirit of God ultimately changing. So, here's just some verses real quick. 2 Timothy 3, 10-17. Paul writing here, You, however, have followed my teaching and my conduct, my aim in, my, in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from your childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness the man of God, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. That's saying... If you want to live a righteous life, it's found in the scriptures. So, when we think about living unrighteously, where would we put, just side note, addiction to drugs, alcohol, food, coffee, <laughs> cigarettes, whatever it is, if we see those things, if we're addicted to it, would that be righteous or unrighteous? <laughs> Not coffee, other things, right? Now, yeah. Right, but if you're addicted, you need it, right? You're saying, I need this. That's not righteous living. 
But this is saying that if you want righteous living, it's found in the scriptures. It will teach you, this, again, the spirit using the scriptures, right? Colossians 2, 6 through Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Listen to this. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. We sometimes view that as crazy stuff that's out there, but maybe it's meaning more like basic things around us, human traditions. Here's what's really wrong with you. Let the world describe it versus letting the Bible describe it. I think that sometimes we, oh, human tradition, some weird, you know, Justin can tell you more about the Illuminati and all that they're doing. It includes that, but it may also be something as simple as talking about our sin, but using different languages, Ray was pointing out, and saying and starting to change what the Bible has said. Right. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, allowing us to point our fingers somewhere else. Since the beginning, we've loved to do that, haven't we? Right? Yeah. John 10, 7 through 10. Listen to this. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters, enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Listen to this. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Just, we're just going to just touch on addiction at this moment. Somebody who's addicted to whatever it is, that's not abundant life. That's not abundant life. But Jesus is saying in him, you can have life abundantly. He's not saying me plus all the other worldly ways of looking at it and the worldly counselors. He's saying, I'm really enough for you to have abundant life. What does that mean? It means that he should be enough. How do we learn about him? Scriptures by the Spirit. So, again, the basis of this being in the Scriptures. Just a couple more, and then some more conversation we'll have. John 10, 22-30. At the time of the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I am the Father of one. Why do I put this one in here? His sheep hear his voice. Every time you begin to counsel with people, until they are in Christ, they will never be out of bondage, ever. And it's only by knowing the shepherd's voice and growing in that that people can actually truly be free. And I don't mean behavior modification. That's different. You can have a dry drunk who has all the same cravings, desires, and personality. Everything is the same, but they don't drink anymore. But there's no change in their life. True change. Yes, they're not, not, they just don't drink. They're just addicted to not drinking. Right. They can be addicted to something. Something else can take that place. True life can only be found in Christ. So, that's even when we do this class, as we open it up and we end up to the whole community, we're going to try to convince them by sharing the gospel with them that they would become Christians because that's really where abundant life happens. Now, we can try to help in other ways, but ultimately, that's the deliverance that's needed. 
That's the deliverance that's needed. Psalm 19, 7 through 14. The law of the Lord is perfect. Listen to that. Perfect means lacking nothing. <laughs> Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are clean. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. There's a lot of language about sin taking over. Okay? When you're in a, an addiction, no matter which kind you're talking about, taking over. Doesn't matter what kind of addiction. Driven by, taken over, trapped, caught up in. What is it that's saying that fights against that? The Lord through his word. Then I shall be blameless and innocent and of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the med- meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Last one in First Peter, and then open up some more comments. His divine power has granted us to, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Knowledge connected to the spirit, that's how apparently life and godliness are going to come. Spirit, knowledge, knowledge of whom? Knowledge of Christ. Still connected to the spirit, which goes back that people need the spirit of God. But notice it says all things that pertain to life and godliness. Is godliness being addicted to anything? Is that godly or ungodly? It's ungodly. Well, if I want godliness, and this says I can have it, somehow by the work of Christ with his word and his spirit, I can have godliness. That's what this is saying. So either you believe it or you don't. Right? I mean, it really, that's where it's going to start, is you believe it or you don't. Okay, thoughts, yeah. I was going to say this is where the sin and addicted word are kind of interchangeable. Sin would be a better word to use because yeah. all sin is addicted. Right. So what's interesting is the Bible doesn't use the word addiction. So here's what people say. The Bible doesn't speak to addiction. Ah, or does it? It's using different language. And that's what we're going to get to over the coming weeks. Okay? Ray, you say something? I just said all sin is addictive. Yeah. But addiction and sin are interchangeable words. Yeah, so here's, here's another analogy for what's going on. Okay. You have to remember that um, if we don't believe what Billy said, mm-hmm. it affects more than, how shall I say, a habit or a particular thing you're doing. It affects your entire right. thought process. Right. So we, in essence, are an Apple laptop that I spill coffee. If you've ever done that, it's a tragic experience. <laughs> right. So now this stupid machine when you hit a, you know, prints all kinds of characters, right. you know, you're going to have to send it, it's going to cost you a thousand dollars. We are, the, we are right. the Apple laptop that somebody's built coffee on. Right. You're a fallen right. creature. Right. And the thing that's going to correct that is God's law. That's what's going to correct it. 
problem is you can't get there from here. Right. You can't. Right. You need the gospel and you need Christ right. to get there. Right. The point I'm trying to make is that will change your entire thinking right. about everything. Right. And the more we do it, the more we pursue Christ, the right. more we pursue his word, God's word, the right. Christ. Remember, Christ is the one who that all came through him. Right. We come to abolish any of it. Right. The more we pursue that, the more the computer will work like it's supposed to. Right. The more we don't, the more dysfunctional right. it's going to be. So, so let me just real quick grab that, and he's exactly right. Let me grab that. So just so we're not confused, what, I'm, what we're not saying, what I'm not saying, they're not saying is somebody walks in this door right now, okay, and they're addicted, whether you're going to talk to drugs, alcohol, let's say they're addicted to caffeine, sugar, something, whatever it is. They come in. There is a physical addiction that's happening with their body at that point. Okay, there is a, it's not denying that that exists. What this is going to get to is what's the root, the heart of what took place there. And how do you deal with it? It's not saying that you don't have like, you know, physical addictions and things. That's not what this is saying. In fact, it's going to say that even that is going to be part of the fact that we're in this sinful, fallen world. And some people seem to be addicted to certain things, maybe a little more than other people, or, you know, certain, you know, can battle certain things, and oh, I haven't really struggled with that. Doesn't matter. We all probably, I would argue, have been addicted to something. Now, whether it's the same things as other people or it's noticeable, right? Some addictions are easier to see with people. Other addictions we keep hidden in our closet and nobody knows about it. How about just... Uh, Whatever your sin is. Hey. Talk about addiction? Yeah. They will, I mean, they, and, and not, that this, not that this drives... Because uh, the, the scriptures are clear on this, but when they do research and they look at the brain of people who are using phones and not using phones, they're seeing some of the same stuff happening that people are addicted to other things because it's creating that same stuff going on. But the point of all this is not that it's the phone's fault. The point of all this is it's a sinful thing going on deep down with all of these factors. But if you go and you try to get this conversation or get help from, I would say, a secular counselor or even a Christian counselor, somebody who's calling himself the biblical counselor, they're going to try to attack this maybe other ways and, and use other language instead of sin language. They won't want to tell you that it's selfish gratification. Well, that would be sin. Right? Miss Lori. Years ago, I was struggling with severe depression to the point where I was suicidal. Yeah. And I went for counseling. And of course, I went for secular counseling because it's what our insurance paid for. Right. And um, I went for one year and thought that I was okay. Right. And found out, you know, a year or so later that I was not okay. Right. Ended up back in counseling again. And the entire time, I went for two more years of counseling, and the entire time during that counseling, they worked with some trauma that I had gone through when right. I was 15. Right. And tried to point to a lot of my issues in my right. life that I was struggling with were related to that trauma that right. I had gone through that I'd never clearly dealt with right. because I had had head trauma and because of people that were involved and right. I didn't want to blame somebody and so therefore I internalized it. Right, 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 you know, right, right. All the secular yep. terminology right. and never once did they say, well, you're struggling with God's sovereignty for your life, you know. I mean, on its face level. That's therefore. right, that's right. You yeah. know, that was, and, and you're really fighting with the Lord because the Lord hasn't given you the job that you wanted. And 
So, and therefore you're eating yourself to death and you know, whatever. Right. All these things, but they kept trying to get me to look and put my finger at all these different things right. that made me who I was struggling to be, you right. know, or struggling with. Yeah. Instead of saying, let's see, you know, what's the root of these right. issues, really? Not the secular or the world, what the world would say the roots was, right. but what's the Bible say? Right. It's totally different. But after three years of dealing, I mean, this lady and I became very close friends. And, and as a matter of fact, she went through a divorce through our counseling, mm -hmm. during our counseling time. Anyway, um, no, and the no. one... I was going to say, <laughs> you, no. you are someone difficult to counsel if it brings up a divorce. <laughs> anyway, but uh, no, anyway, finally, the one day she said to me, you know you have strength to overcome all of this. Mm. And I looked at her, and it was like, you know, you don't need to pay me anymore, I've got the answer for you. you know? right. And I said, I, I'm not quite sure what you mean. And she said, from the day one that you walked in here, you told me you were a Christian. Mm. And she said, and yet you're not turning to your word to overcome this. Mm. That was the last time I saw her. Yeah, yeah. And I started to, yeah. you know, by God's grace. Yeah. I started getting in the Word and pursuing yeah. the Word, and yeah. by God's grace, I yeah. started to heal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Miss Lori. Um, Can I make your observation? Yeah. One observation is: what did the counselor? What did not this counselor? Right. The end, but before that, what did they point you to? The world always wants you mm -hmm. to be a victim. Well, and we like to be a victim. I'm not even the world. Yeah, we, we like to. We we lo I love to be the. I mean, I can make myself the victim in about two seconds in any situation. Anyway, okay, yeah, no, that's, that's right. So, and why you're a victim is because it's the other stuff in the world that's right. causing you to right. do this. So you point to the other stuff. Right. I just want you to see that that's a behavior. You know what behavior is in this? Right. It's like when you put a rat. Right. Train behavior. Yeah. You send them through a maze. Right. And Right. The last thing she said. Right. She wasn't allowed to say that. Right. In the secular world. Right. So that's a no-no. Right. But that's the one thing that. That was true. <laughs> or yeah. No. Yeah. Here's yeah. Riley Luther. You know. Josh. I was going to say they kind of talked about the behaviorism, um, and I mentioned this story before. Uh, in college, we had an accountability group, and um, I, I hated. <laughs> going to the accountability group, not because I had to like be honest and truthful, but we would we created this list that everybody mentioned the sins that they were struggling with or what they were struggling with. And then every single time we had to give a number of how many times we we failed in that sin per week. Hmm. And okay. then the goal was to just do a little less right. next week. Ten, the next week eight, and seven. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and so it was. It was always just like, hey, try to do less. Try to you know, do a little bit less. You know, mm -hmm. white knuckle it if you have to. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, and just that was the point when I was realizing, man, what we're just trying to do is just you know, try to fight, uh, push a rope uphill. Like <coughs> we need something bigger. Of course, like I realize now we. We needed the word of God, not right. just dealing with right. behavior. Yeah. But that, I mean, 
that that you see that even in yeah. Bible college. So thank you, Josh. So condition brief that for you. Yeah, with the behavior stuff. So here's what we're we need to finish up here. But here's what we're trying to get to. The basic aspect here is again, every are there true you know people born with chemical imbalances because of sin and things? Yes, we're not saying those things don't exist. But the root of what's going on is sin. The root of what's going on. 98% of the time, at least, is sin inside of us. Okay? Doesn't mean that, again, there's other things don't exist. There's not a physical addiction, these type of things. But if we believe the scriptures, then it's going to be the spirit with the word that's going to move people forward. So addiction class that we're going to be trying to do, it's going to look a lot different than AA. It's going to look a lot different than AA because it's going to focus in. I'm not, again, the accountability, there are things in there that are good things, and you will find those in Scripture. But it's going to look different. Why? Because it's going to be centered on the Word and finding out what's going on with the sin in your heart. What's going on? Because where is addiction when you try to feed it through? all the things we've talked about. And that's what we'll be unpacking over the next few weeks is what is addiction when you feed it through what Scripture says it is. The world is telling you what they say it is, what does Scripture say it is, and whether we believe that or not. And that's what we'll be putting forth. Now, will some people disagree? Yes. Will some people say, I'm not going to even try that? Yes. But hopefully will some come? Because here's what I don't want. I don't want for people to come to something that we're putting on and they just stop drinking, although that's a good thing if they stopped, you know, living a life as far as just continual drunkenness. But then they're still empty. And it's just replaced with something different. And there's still a hole. It's not actual complete healing that comes only in Christ. Now, what's interesting, I'll end with this. I said before that this is actually not anything unique, but just discipleship. At the bottom of your thing here, uh, the guy who is the uh, executive... Uh, assistant, I guess, or uh, executive officer of uh, ACBC, which is the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. His name is Dale Johnson. He was on an interview, and he was asked, well, how are they different? What's the difference between discipleship and counseling? How are they different, you know? And so here's what he says. Uh, He says, maybe one of the simple categories that we can put it in, normal discipleship, we could put in the area of preventative care. Okay? Think about it. Preventative care. The scripture tells us in Ephesians 4 to equip the saints for the work of the ministry until all of us grow to the point of maturity. That's us engaging in discipleship, learning to grow in our faith, crucifying and mortifying sins of the flesh so that we pursue the things God has called us to pursue. Walking in the spirit so that we do not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's normative. That's preventive care. It's preventing us from falling into temptation easily. It's helping us to grow. That's normal, typical discipleship care, I would argue, he says. So there's normal discipleship was just our everyday, we're trying to just continue to follow Christ and, and, and kill the flesh and this type of thing. That's, that's going to be discipleship in a normative sense. Second paragraph. Maybe we would look at counseling in a different light. We would think about counseling as being reparative. We think of Galatians 6.1. With a brother caught in a particular trespass or struggle. The ones who are spiritual, what are they supposed to do? The scripture tells us are to restore such a one in a situation like that. So I might distinguish the two, he says, being more preventative in nature, as one, being more preventative in nature, 
which is a normal function for us, growing regularly in Christ the way Colossians 1.28 tells us to do, to make every man mature in Christ, then we might look more in the direction of being restorative care when we're restoring a person who is in uh, despondency or maybe therefore, or maybe they're downcast or struggling, or maybe they've fallen into a particular sin, we're helping them overcome that acute issue and press toward maturity in Christ. So both would be under, if you will, discipleship, making disciples of all nations. That's part of what even counseling would be. It's just going to be very specific to when people have really fallen and are struggling with something. Then you're moving into counseling to bring them back from that. Whereas just your kind of normal discipleship is the walking everyday uh, of life. What's interesting is this isn't only for the professionals. This is discipleship. This is all Christians learning to do this with each other. So in one sense, we all should be discipling. We would agree with that. In another sense, we should all be equipped to be able to speak into each other's lives in the counseling sense, although there may be times that it gets so deep, it's so dark, it's so difficult, that those who've had a little more training in it might need to step in and help in that situation. But this isn't only for the person that you pay $100 to, you know, Gainesville to go talk to. Think about it. We forget this so often. Christianity has not been in America only. How do the Africans, in the middle of the bush, what do they do when they need help? Is there no answer for them because there's no psychiatrist or no psychologist around the corner? Because there's not. I've lived there. They don't have that option. Do they struggle with the same things we do? Absolutely. Every single sin that we struggle with, they struggle with. If the answer is going to come through a a, a blending like we talked about before, and you have to have these other experts, they'll never, ever, ever live a godly life, a righteous life, and have help. They'll never have it. But that can't be what the Scriptures say. The Scriptures say that they can't have that. So that must mean that God has somehow arranged that it's possible to achieve that without needing all the other stuff. But what is He? His Word, His Spirit, His people. So that means that this is really for all of us to be doing. How many of you know somebody who struggles with some form of addiction, whether it's food, sex, alcohol, drugs, anything? You know, someone that struggles with some form of addiction. If so, guess what? <laughs> this is for us. I'll be honest, up, up, up until probably just a few months ago, I think that I sh- struggled with, and I'm still battling, uh, an addiction to food. Even though... I wasn't, you know, really overweight, so it wasn't something you could see as easily. But as we're going to get to, get to in the coming weeks about what addiction has in these, I was captured by it, and it's where I ran to. Hard day here on a Sunday, you know where I run to? Food. Hunt's brother. You can see it a little bit. Hey, don't, don't you forget about Hunt's brother. <laughs> Chocolate. You know what's so funny is I didn't know this, but it actually existed even when we were in Africa. When we were in Africa, it would be really stressful and so I found, I got a blender while we were there, and I would make mango smoothies, real mangoes there. Oh, it was amazing. Mangoes, and, and, and actually I had a little uh, freezer chest and made ice, uh, had ice and all those mango smoothies, and I'd drink them every day. And it was my thing I would go to. And one day the blender broke. Now, it's not like you can run to Walmart in the middle of Africa, right? <laughs> blender broke, and I lost it. I remembered, I didn't know what I was doing then, but looking back, I absolutely lost it. Because that was where, that was my addiction. Like, I needed that. You go, yeah, exactly. You go four years later, we were in Turkey, having one of the hardest times. We just lost a baby, we were struggling. Barbecue chips, 
Lay's, they had, Lay, had Lay's barbecue chips and turkey. Lay's barbecue chips and homemade sweet tea that I was making. Every single day I would go sit in my room in the corner and I would drink my sweet tea and eat my Lay's chips. Every single day. I'm just coping. It's not a big deal. Why? Because it's not alcohol. It's not a big deal. Right? It, it, it's, just, it's, just, it's just sweet tea and it's Lay's chips until I can't find the Lay's chips. It still didn't hit me until I was here a few months ago and going, as soon as I get back, I'm looking for M&Ms, I'm looking for sweets, I'm looking for things, and it's like, I need this. Like, I'm saying, I need this. I can't say no to this. I'm not, it's there, and it's like, Billy, yeah, and I have to take it. Like, I just, I can't even control myself. I wasn't even trying to fight the thing spiritually. It was more of a, I feel like I'm getting a little heavy. Maybe I shouldn't eat as many. It had nothing to do with the spiritual aspect of my heart and what was really going on there. Addiction. Addicted to something else. Because ultimately, what was at the center of that? Myself. Worshipping my wants, my desires, my things, and not Christ. That's That's the root thing of what's going on. So we'll unpack that more as we come. But this is a, this is a, this topic of biblical counseling, discipleship, this is for all of us. Because when somebody comes to you, or even yourself, where will you run? Will you run to, oh, well, there's a great show on HGTV that will really help your marriage. Okay. <laughs> or you run to the scriptures. If you yeah. were to run to the scripture, an example of like, the problem that you're yeah. expressing then, yeah. is, would that be uh, why the Bible scripture directs us to fast? But yes, I, I, I would agree with that. So that yeah. would be like a place you would go. That part of battling that is fasting. It is actually part of how you would battle that. But all, you know how many times it mentions gluttony? That's what that's going on there, exactly. right? So I have to go and see that there are empty promises and go with somebody I mentioned earlier, and I have to look to Christ more than those things and find my fulfillment in him. The problem is I'm looking at the problems and I'm looking at a temporary bodily solution. Think about this, food. What's, what's really happening? Bodily, you're getting something immediately. Sex, bodily. Drugs, alcohol, what are you, you're getting something immediately bodily, which then helps you feel better here. But it leaves you empty deep inside. But you can keep going back to it. And then I would say we're addicted to that at that point. But what's the root? It's sin. It's sin deep in my heart. So, um, any last thoughts for that? So, yeah, invisible counterfeit gods. Yep. You're worshiping the counterfeit God. The created thing instead of the creator. Yeah. So, so yeah, go ahead. So the worst thing about that is that it, it impedes your relationship with Christ. Right. No question. You can't have right. a whole relationship with Christ right. if you have a better relationship with something else. Right. No, no mention on coffee and bacon and other things, right? But it, but it is interesting that it does, and what, and what, and I believe that the Spirit opens our eyes to it through His Word or through brothers and sisters at times, and they'll say, because sometimes I don't think we even see it, and then somehow He says, now it's time for you to see it, and then do you respond in brokenness or do you make excuses or do you bristle against or what happens, and that's that battle. So, yeah. Then I try to eat other types of M&Ms. Well, these are better instead of the peanuts. These are, these are plain, so it's okay. All right, so anyway, th- uh, thank you for, for being a part of this tonight. That's, that's the framework of what we're thinking. So then it doesn't matter who, what addiction you're struggling with when you come in. What's going to be our aim? Relationship with Christ first, 
You need the Spirit of God. And we're going to use the Scriptures and we're going to call things as they are and help people see and, find, and go deep into those things. If somebody comes in and they're like, you know, in the middle of still on those things, well, it may be that we help them by sending them away for a little bit so they can get off of that stuff. Because you can't, you know, communicate with somebody and help them when they're still physically addicted to certain things. So we'll see how all that goes and unwinds. But that's what we wanted to cover at least for tonight and then start to apply it specifically to addiction. Yeah. Mr. Ray, last thing. Right. There are. Right. It's got to be that way, right? Mm-hmm. And and in the world of like hegemony. Yeah. Right. I say that right. Hegemony. Hegemony. Yeah. Uh, it tends to get translated into the counselor is okay. He's all right. <laughs> right. He's counseling these people that aren't all right, and that can't be the way we approach this. The way we must approach this is to approach it as sinners, saved by Christ, in love for the right. other person. Right. That's essential. Right. If you're not motivated by helping the other person be whole in Christ, then it's just stop doing whatever right. you're doing. Right. All we are is, uh, I forget who says it, but it's basically the same thing of we're beggars who have found bread and we're pointing other beggars to the bread. <laughs> that's really all it is. You're just a little and further. Yeah, that's right. All one body. And the thing is, what's so interesting about this, and I said last thing, but last thing, what's interesting about this is when the scripture is the authority, then it doesn't matter really fully what I've done or haven't done, what my experience is, what my age is. None of those things matter ultimately in trying to help somebody because what am I doing? I'm just pointing them to the scriptures and asking God to work in them. Right? If I give them the wrong truth, well, then that's not going to be helpful. Because here's the thing. It can't be based upon age. It can't be based upon ethnicity. It can't be based upon even fully your experiences or your victories or your defeats. Because one, if you've had to be defeated to be able to help others, then that means Jesus couldn't help anybody. And that can't be the case. The Apostle Paul gives us some of the greatest things on marriage. He was never married. It can't be full. Now, I'm not saying there's not some, some insight that you can say where I've experienced, you know, if some of you have struggled with M&Ms and, and things of that nature. We might have an identification with one another there. But the truth that that's what's going on in my heart, you don't have to struggle with M&Ms to tell me that because the truth is coming out of the scriptures. It's not based on the person, which is a good thing because you might feel when we get into that, I'm not adequate to help somebody. <laughs> You're not. God can do it. You just have to give the word, like Ray said, in humility, in love, saying, here's what the word says. Let me pray with you. Let me help you the best that I can. But God's going to have to ultimately do the work. And it takes it off of us. We just have to be faithful. That's a big difference versus I've had to have done this or done that. Or Jesus didn't have, he, he was tempted in every way, but what? Without sin. And apparently he could help us all. So that's really important to think about. Yeah, you're going to close this in pr- uh, prayer, Mr. Sure, Ray? Sure. Oh, Mr. Doug first, yes. Men's class. Uh, next Tuesday, we'll go ahead and meet. As it stands right now, we'll go ahead and meet and probably be talking on creation. But it's your choice. After this little introduction, anybody wants to come in.